Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me Kirian Therakin, who is the founding or who is the founder and managing director at Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. His website is strategypeak.com and he's a best-selling author. Go ahead and check out his book titled The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. So without further ado, Kirian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Jen. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, at the time of this recording, um, we're about halfway through the year, and I'm just curious to know, how's 2021 treating you so far? Well, 2021, you know, 2020 uh, definitely made us pause and wonder, you know, whether what track we were on, whether it's the right track, all these kind of things. 2021 is going to take the the repivoting of mm-hmm. what uh, was happening in 2020. And now we're going in a completely uh, different set of directions. Not that we've abandoned everything, right? But now yeah. we have new opportunities and threats in front of us. Uh, I have a little digital marketing company right now that uh, I'm involved with. Uh, I'm a partner in it. And one of the things we did this year uh, as a direct result of COVID and such is that we all launched an online university uh, for wow. Shopify merchants, right? And that wouldn't have been something uh, that would have come just out of the blue, it came as a result of all the struggles we saw our clients going through uh, during COVID, right? And so new opportunities as well as new threats. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And I think that, um, you know, given your background being in sales marketing for 30 years, um, I imagine a lot of sales is really pivoting, right? Like pivoting and and kind of restructuring your strategy and your approach, depending on the trends or the times. And so I'm sure that you've seen this throughout the years. I'm curious if uh, 2020 was uniquely different <laughs> from your 30 years of experience. Well, the rapidity of it, the uh, the mm-hmm. sudden impact of it, you know, took everybody by surprise. Yeah. World governments, every world government was knocked on its heels, right? Yeah. And had to quickly scramble uh, to do it. So, you know, the idea of, uh, have I seen this before? No. Mm-hmm. No, but I don't think anybody saw the, the pandemic of 1918 before either, right? right. Uh, or World War One, World War II. So these things, you know, I think they're just going to continue happening uh, on a regular basis. Uh, mm-hmm. And just because I haven't seen it, that doesn't mean that, that the previous generations haven't gone through multitude uh, of examples. If you're 80, 90 years old now, how many things have you seen, right? During, <laughs> the, during that time, it's amazing. All these different things that, that turn your world upside down for good and bad. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of uh, just technology and the advancement of it throughout the decades. I mean, my mom, you know, she's in her mid sixties and she was around during the time when a cell phone didn't exist yet, you know, and I grew up, I had my first cell phone, I think when I was in eighth grade and then now, you know, the cell phones have evolved throughout the years. So it it is quite fascinating to kind of, uh, you know, appreciate, I think the people before us or our older generation to see like that transformation, or at least ask for their stories and see how much, uh, so much has shifted and just the, the last century <laughs> uh, you know in, in the last century if, you, if you're 120 years old today and by the way that longevity can happen these days right yeah. 120 uh not everybody is but you know at that beginning the airplane was barely off the ground so if right. you're born in 1900 1903 the wright brothers get their plane off the ground by 69 we're on the moon mm. how did that happen you know and that happened in the course of 66 years mm-hmm. and uh, that that is just amazing 
uh, acceleration of technology. And technology is a really big driver of everything, uh, yeah. including sales, marketing, business opportunities, all, anything and everything. You know, if there's a technological advancement or invention, it has an impact on the entire set of environmental opportunities and threats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love how we started this conversation talking about technology and how things have changed throughout <laughs> throughout the decades and kind of doing a little history lesson for our listeners here in case we have a, a younger audience. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Kirian, I uh, definitely want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, I mean, you know, you have a very uh, decorated resume, as I like to call it, and uh, you have uh, ran a sales and marketing division of an enterprise class software, um, you know, company in your town. And uh, one of the biggest clients you've worked with are, I mean, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with this, Microsoft, Citigroup, and Johnson & Johnson. Tell us about that experience. Well, this is, uh, you know, if that proved anything, and that company's long been sold, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a couple of times by now, right? But wow. it was a small little uh, business, started off as a family enterprise. And, you know, uh, the thing with them is that they absolutely nailed the value proposition down for a very specific uh, division within these big organizations. They're yeah. a little small company, you know, tiny little company that has a very prominent value proposition that was recognized by companies like Microsoft and Citigroup. Uh, uh, I even sold a system to NASA, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and they're seeking us out because we are that prominent in that space, yeah. right? And, and not everybody has the luck to be able to, uh, to get into that kind of thing, but it really highlights, uh, get into that kind of prominence, right? Yeah. But it really highlights the need for you to have a razor sharp value proposition. Yeah, And then that will do the heavy lifting for you than for you to go out and sell, 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 sell. That can get, yeah. you know, really, really uh, effortful and, and tiring. It's a lot better when the customer comes to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to talk a little bit more about that value proposition because the way that you uh, specifically do it is through storytelling. So tell us about that. Sure. Um, it is my absolute belief. So you know, you keep mentioning that it's 30 years now, and that must mean I'm really old, right? <laughs> well, I'm only 33, so yes. Well, <laughs> I there say you that go. respectfully. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, so, and I will tell you, I think it's only in the last maybe five, 10 years that I've really figured out what the heck's going on. Mm. What's really going on here? And when I first started out my career, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago, uh, it was in a sales effort, and there's sales techniques and strategies. Mm. Then I got into marketing and, you know, it's all about marketing strategies and techniques. And yeah. then as we're going, you know, and I'm running these divisions of different companies, integrated divisions, sales and marketing, and such. And especially when I started my uh, mar um, sales and marketing consulting practice, a lot of startup companies mm -hmm. and the startup companies, uh, they have heavy on the science. A lot of them are the university, heavy mm -hmm. on the science, heavy on the technology. They did not go to school to get their PhD to be a salesperson. Yeah, they didn't do that. Mom, I'm going to be a salesperson with my PhD, but they find themselves in that position, selling their ideas to begin with, and yeah. then their products and services. And so I had to find a model that uh, actually allowed them to effortlessly advance their value propositions and their messaging and such. And it is my absolute belief today, absolute belief that the very first thing that anybody buys from you is your story. Mm. They don't buy your story, they won't buy anything else. So the very first thing you sell is your story, that, yeah. that strategic narrative. But it's not the narrative about, hey, look at me, what a great guy I am, what great products. That story has to be the one about your customer is hero. 
Mm. Your customers hear it. And, and, and what that simply means is now we go back to this idea of uh, Pixar. Pixar has just a string of hits and they follow a very uh, simple formula. Uh, here's your hero. Everything is going just fine. Nothing is wrong. Everything's right. Mm-hmm. And then something happens. It's an inciting incident of some kind. And then okay. their life is tossed into disarray and there's turmoil. They go on a journey or a quest, right? And then they solve their problems. They find Nemo. And <laughs> then, you know, everything uh, goes back to perhaps even being better uh, yeah. than it was before, right? So we go through those kinds of things and we we have to put that hero as your customer. Now, if that's true, what does that make you? What that makes you as that supplier, that vendor, okay, that person that, that has got these products and services, that makes you the fairy godmother, the wise <laughs> wizard. And you are going to grant your hero a magic incantation, an amulet, yeah. a sword to help them on their quest. So, And that, those are your products and services. And mm-hmm. so the products and services are simply tools to enable the promise in the story that you tell. Okay, yeah. So when you think of it that way, you know, you have a you have an overall strategic narrative that people can buy into. And you don't want to bore, you don't want to bore <laughs> bore people with the entire thing at once, but you can tell very specific uh, modules of that and get people's interest. Now yeah. get people interested. And once you have their intrigue, then you can go in and then layer in all of these stories in the meta, in the meta narrative, the strategic narrative that actually allows the customer to see them enabled and their yeah. wishes fulfilled. Yeah, I love that. It's um, I really like that whole take on the hero's journey, which um, it's so crazy. That formula is in basically every successful story that you could think of out there. Um, I know there was a really good uh, TED Talk YouTube video that really breaks down the hero's journey, and I think it's astounding how you know um, you applied it to business because very often when we think about the hero's journey, it's usually for entertainment, you know, for media. But you've learned to incorporate that in business and teaching the business owner that hey, you are not the hero by the way, you know, sorry, sorry to, you know, burst your bubble, but you're actually the guide and you are trying to guide your customer who is the hero to accomplish what they want, you know, whatever solution they're looking for. You just happen to be that guide. You happen to be that tool. You happen to be that source to catapult them to whatever they're trying to solve. And I think that's incredible. You're an ally. Mm. You're an ally. You are, you know, that magic. You're that very godmother, that wise wizard that's going to to be that resource and that support and the magic behind that transformation. You're selling it. You're telling a transformation story at its core. Yeah. I like that. A transformation story at its core. Cause like when you look at a product, you know, you don't really think too much about like when you're just looking at something at face value, you know, when you walk through the store and, you know, it's, it's really hard to just be like, Oh, that's going to change my life. You know? So, so to be able as a company to create, you know, to, to portray that story, um, I think is really powerful. Um, I think it's quite interesting, uh, Kirian, that you work uh, with um, people in the university. Tell us about that. And, you know, kind of starting them young and understanding this, you know, approach to business and, and marketing. Well, they're not all young. Okay, so we have <laughs> students in there, and you know, there's uh, various types of incubators on campus mm. that help these students, you know, formulate their ideas. My uh, ex-wife and I still sponsor a prize in entrepreneurship at mm. the university, right? And so we have a lot of young people, 20, 21, 22 years old, mm. uh, cross faculties, engineering, business, even political science, but with an idea, right? coming together and participating in this incubator. But then, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the technology that comes out of the research that the university does mm-hmm. is also now trying to be commercialized. 
And wow. so the tech, yeah, so the techniques that we're using, the strategies, concepts that we're using for the young people are identical to the people that are trying to get their research into a commercialized product into, into the marketplace. But ultimately, it all comes down to the same kinds of things, right? None of these people went to school. And in fact, the schools, School of Business doesn't even have a sales program. They have a marketing program, but you know, there's only so much you can learn in a marketing program. You have to be on the on the street to really see how it works. Yeah. And so none of them went uh, through a sales and marketing program. And yet they're forced into this position where the very first thing they have to do is get someone to buy into their big idea. And yeah. you know, and and the only way to really do that is by telling a powerful, cogent story. Yeah. I'm just thinking like. Oh, the deception of school sometimes it's like they, they they give you all of these credentials and study all these things. But when you're actually in the real world, there are some things that you can only learn on the job and sales is one of those. And so, I mean, we can get in a whole conversation about that, but in the meantime, it's great that, you know, you're able to work with um, the university and create this, you know, incubator or work on this incubator to um, teach sales essentially to these students. Sales and marketing, right? And yeah. you need both. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I use the volleyball analogy. Marketing is the perfect set of the ball. Sales is the spike. Nice. Now, you have a very poor set, it's a real tough spike, mm -hmm. but a great set can actually make even a poor spiker enable them to get a point, right? Mm -hmm. What is that set? Well, that set starts with a great, powerful story mm -hmm. with your customer's hero. And then spikes are really easy at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kirian, you have a, a best-selling book called The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. And I just want to read this quote from the book description that I think uh, really embodies our conversation so far. And it goes, when someone loses their way, it is almost always because they've lost their story. When they regain their story, they will they will regain their way. So uh, tell us about that and sort of uh, your um, uh, purpose in, in putting this book together and and sharing this message to your readers and and students and listeners. <laughs> you know, uh, that's what uh, my book is full of quotes. That's one of mine, you know, uh, mm. that uh, that was the embodiment of the book. You know, yeah. so I'm glad you picked up on that. That's fantastic. Uh, that particular book, um, you know, th that particular quote, when it comes down to the idea of what's my purpose, you know, why am I here? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it that I'm really doing? You know, and, you know, in, when you're in your 20s, right out of school, uh, you are out there, you know, trying to make your way, get that initial foothold. But in your 30s, you're starting relationships of various kinds, right? Yeah. Uh, you might get married, you know, uh, you know, start a family. By your 40s, you're starting to climb that ladder. But then you're wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, then, this isn't really what, you know, uh, school prepared me for or even my parents necessarily. There's a lot of mundanity to this. There's yeah. a lot of mundane parts of this, right? So what am I doing here? And in fact, part of what you're doing there is just fulfilling your obligations. You have obligations to your employer, employee, obligations to your spouse, your family. Yeah. You, know, you probably have a mortgage that you're, you're paying for. So now it's an obligation-driven uh, life, yeah. which is not necessarily as fulfilling as a purpose-driven. Yeah. And so that was the whole embodiment of that quote, right? Mm -hmm. When you when you regain your story, you will regain your story, uh, your way. And it's probably not the same story you had to begin with. You yeah. abandon the old story, but you regain your new story. The story you always had, but the one you weren't living. And yeah. when it comes to that, you know, when you have those kind of moments in your life, lots of things happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, you might start a business. Uh, you might get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> you might get remarried. 
You know, it could be a lot of this. You might uh, you might leave your employer. There could be a lot of things. Go back to school, right? But now you pivot because you realize, you know, I'm 40, I'm 45, and maybe I've got another 30 good years left, you mm-hmm. know, to do something purposeful with it and to really create a life that that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that was the purpose of that. And, you know, the book itself, The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell, is to instill that same sense of purpose and vision and mission in your people. And then yeah. if you flip the coin around, is to install those things again into the purpose, mission, vision in your marketplaces, mm-hmm. right? So that people can see that you are bigger than the products that you sell. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful. First and foremost, just talking about that quote, going from that obligation driven life to a purpose driven life. And once you sort of regain that uh, purpose driven life or regain your story or uh, evolve your story in a sense, um, you know, once you have sort of done that inner work, you can take that to the outer world in a sense and apply that not just professionally, but in business and everything. So I really like how in a way it, it sort of starts inward. And then you're able to uh, provide it in, in the marketplace, in a sense, or translate that to the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from uh, Dr. Howard Thurman. And he mm-hmm. was an American theologian, uh, amongst other things. And mm-hmm. his quote, says, slight paraphrasing of this, is don't ask yourself what the world needs. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. Yeah. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Yeah. And that, you know, and when you are around somebody that has come alive, that is charisma and that is energy transfer. And that is the transfer of enthusiasm from one person to another. And that uh, infuses, you know, organizations and their products and their services and their people and marketplaces. And it all starts with a regaining of that central vision and purpose and then transferring that enthusiasm into the energy that the marketplaces, your organizations need. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Kirian, let me know, is there a story or a client or company, you don't have to like name drop or anything, but, you know, a particular story um, in your experience of working with people that has stood out to you throughout these years that remind you why you do what you do? Why I do what I do. Well, you know, some of the some of the best times, like I do a lot of teaching. Mm. Uh, so I'm in front of a, a lot of classes uh, over the years. You know, this yeah. is a central part of what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not necessarily organizational uh, things per se, but it's when that individual, because, you know, all organizations are merely individuals, right? Yeah. And those individuals, when they see something that is so obvious mm-hmm. in hindsight, and they rediscover, my God, that is the center of my brand. And, you know, a lot of times people will go into business, for example, mm-hmm. uh, with this absolute brilliant uh, sense of purpose. Then they lose their way. Yeah. And they lose their way because of the pressures of cash flow and human resources and competition right. and all this kind of stuff. And uh, one of my clients uh, does remind me of the story. One of my clients uh, just come completely struggling with his business completely mm-hmm. you know, like and he was brilliant at what he did uh, but he had lost his way because of all these different types of things and now you know all businesses if they're not purpose driven you know they eventually become you know little baby dragons that grow up into big dragons that need to be fed every month mm. right and they you know like to keep the lights on even in a small company sometimes it's 50 60,000 dollars a month mm-hmm. you know so you keep feeding the dragon doesn't matter if you don't have any food, go get it. Otherwise, it's going to eat you, right? And he was completely in this, in this uh, spinning spinning treadmill of trying to keep up with it. 
I asked him why he started his company. I said, you know, Kieran, I actually wrote that down once. And he brought out a one-pager that he wrote before he even started his company, before he even started his company. Mm. And it was the most brilliant synthesis of what this business was all going to be about, how it would transform their customers' lives, what the central purpose was, what his products were going to be, and why he was doing it. And I looked at that, and I looked at him, and they're completely different things. Wow. He had completely lost it. Now, the only thing I did to turn that business around was this one thing. Here, this is what you started with. Go back and do that. (laughs) And then we started just killing everything uh, that was not aligned with his original purpose and vision, which which is absolutely emotional and spiritual. And, And it was, you know, it made him come alive. But the business was killing him in the succeeding years because he had gotten away from that original, original purpose. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely goes back to the quote from your book. You know, when someone loses their way, it's almost because they lost their story. And so for you to help this client go back to that, you know, sheet of paper and be like, you know, hey, this is what you really wanted to begin with. And let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's fix that. Let's like recreate the foundation or revamp the foundation, whatever you want to call it um, and, and establish it with this piece of paper and and everything that's written on it, which I think um, is really incredible. So, uh, Kieran, before we wrap up here, uh, one profound advice that I feel like is very important to share to our listeners is that every business is actually a sales ship. So tell us about that, what that means for you, and what our uh, listeners should take away from that. I've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs in my life, uh, hundreds. And, you know, it's um, most people, you know, my conclusion has been that most people, most of these entrepreneurs aren't having a very good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're struggling <laughs> with something. Yeah. And once they quell one struggle, then another struggle pops up and on it goes, right? One of the clearest reasons, though, entrepreneurs fail mm-hmm. is because there is no market demand, mm. mass market demand, or at least niche market demand for that product, which will be sufficient to sustain the business model. You know, in, on an economic rate of return basis, everybody gets paid based on their risk of capital, and, you know, whatever that means, right? But there's no market demand for the, for the uh, product. The reason why people run into it is because they fail to do this one basic thing in the beginning, and that's market research, but mm-hmm. a very specific part of it. What I say is that every business is actually a sales ship, not a powerboat, a sales ship. Yeah. Now, there's all sorts of different types of sales ships. So, you know, transatlantic trade, you got the big, big ships transporting all sorts of different things by sail. This is you know, from the 1500s on. Uh, the, uh, you know, you have small racing vessels, you know, you got all sorts of different things. They all need wind. Mm. They need wind power. The mm-hmm. problem is most entrepreneurs run out and build a sail ship without ascertaining the availability, the power, or even the direction of the wind. Mm-hmm. And if they knew those things first, they may have built a different uh, sail ship. In fact, most would have built a different sail ship because the configuration that they have right now is not working very well for them. So now the question becomes, what is wind? Mm. So in my book, in uh, uh, story five, the story five is all about the mighty winds. And it is very specifically about the macro trends Mm. that power these uh, sail ships sails. The macro trends are societal trends, uh, technological trends, economic, environmental trends, political trends, legislative trends. Mm -hmm. And if we take a look at something as simple as technology, technology is one of the biggest ones, right? Uh, The example that I will use 
is that in the 1940s, the transistor first was being developed in the mm-hmm. late 40s. By the 50s and 60s, we were on the way to the microprocessor. By the late 60s, we had the advent of uh, the internet, the first inklings of the internet. Mm-hmm. A couple of universities were uh, connected together, right? Mm-hmm. And by the 80s, 90s, uh, you know, and then 2000 ongoing, we had the personal computer, let alone connected to the internet, worldwide web, all that kind of stuff. Now, here's what happened. These mighty winds create tsunamis of opportunity and tidal waves of destruction in their mm-hmm. path. Mm-hmm. Where's the IBM Selectric typewriter these days? In a museum. <laughs> That's where it is. It's in a museum. But I used to remember walking into a steno pool, you know, a big office full of, you know, these typewriters clacking away. And the Selectric was state of the art at that time, state of the art. Mm-hmm. And it has been destroyed by all those things to by something as simple as Google Docs. It's free, right? It's free. It's on the web. And, you know, you can just use it. And, you, you know, most people don't even send their, uh, their term papers and things like that out for typing anymore. You know, they do it themselves. Or, you know, or they edit it or whatever it is because it's all this technology has been brought to bear. So it's cre- destroyed some industry and it's created multi-hundred billion dollar fortunes for yeah. people like Mr. Zuckerberg, you know, mm-hmm. Pierre Amid. You know, of, of eBay, you know, all these kinds of things. So the technology allows all sorts of things to happen. Now, yeah. here's what happens now. How a how a entrepreneur can take advantage of that is by actually identifying the macro trends that are going to impact their customers' markets. Mm. Okay. And once you actually do that, it's one of these things I didn't know, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, or I didn't know the depth of what I didn't know that I knew a bit of that, but I didn't realize it was going to be this. So back in the 1950s, one of the stories you might tell to get people's intention would be by ni- by the year 2020, there will be no such thing as a steno pool. In fact, people won't even have typewriters and no one would believe you except for a few. Okay, and but now you have intrigue and curiosity and attention, and every year that goes by, that story becomes more and more powerful, which becomes part of your brand now because you are now the one proselytizing, espousing that story, right? Yeah. And that becomes something that you are known for. You are known for, and because of that, your power grows, and because mm-hmm. your power grows, your brand grows, and because your brand grows, your company grows, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff you do. Now, so you, you have to be very cognizant of these uh, these trends. Uh, I, I told a story the other day uh, on a counter basis. Uh, we had a company in town here that was in the business of CD rentals, compact disc rentals. And you're, you probably remember compact disc, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. He, he had a thriving business. Absolutely. He did rentals of compact discs mm-hmm. and a very fat margins and great revenues. And he decided to open up a second store in a city uh, three hours away from here. Mm-hmm. Within three weeks of that second store happening, NAFTA 1 was passed, the North America Free Trade Agreement between the U.S. and Canada, which outlawed the rental of music. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you know, and th- that was a trend that was going to happen. That's, that's a political legislative trend. Mm-hmm. But that was something that was, you know, that didn't happen overnight. That was being negotiated for years. Yeah. You know, and he completely missed that. And his, mm-hmm. his mark was taken right out from underneath him. Absolutely right out from underneath him. 
Wow. Um, I, I mean, the biggest takeaway that I got from just you telling your story and talking about the sales ship, uh, Kirian, is that, you know, you have to study the wins, you have to do market research, you have to study the trends of what's going on today and be able to, uh, once you identify those trends to craft a story, um, you know, that says like, Hey, our product can be a part of that, you know, future base, uh, cause or solution or what have you. And, you know, you can be involved in this in the early stages or not, you know? And so I just think that is uh, so powerful. And I never really looked at uh, studying trends in that way. So obviously you're a teacher <laughs> because you made it very easy to understand and I appreciate it. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Well, Kirian, I uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Um, any closing thoughts before we go? No, uh, you know, I think, you know, uh, this is going to pull. So the next five years is going to be very intriguing times. You know, what's the old mm-hmm. Chinese action? You know, may you live in interesting times. We're going to do that in the next yep. five years. If we haven't and already. <laughs> if we haven't already. And, you know, and uh, COVID has been a uh, wave of destruction and a wave of opportunity. Yeah. And uh, depending on the lens that you look at it from, you know, you're going to see one or the other and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of both. So I'm hoping that all your audience and all your listeners, you know, uh, come up with looking for both the opportunity as yeah. well as staving off any of the of the threats in that process. Yeah, study those wins, y'all. Study the wins. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kirian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show today. Thanks again for joining us on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. Jen, thanks for having me on your show. I'll tell you what, though, for the first five of your listeners that email me at kirian at strategypeak.com, I'll send you that for your show notes. Uh, I will send them a Kindle copy of my book for free. And so that'd be something for them to chew on over a little while and learn all about the mighty wins. There you go. You heard it here, everyone. So without further ado, thanks again, Kirian, for joining us. And uh, check that out. Make sure to shoot him an email, which we'll provide in the show notes. And I think that's it. I think we're good to wrap up here. So once again, if you want to reach out to Kirian, his website is strategypeak.com. And of course, uh, check out his email, which will be in the show notes. Reach out to him. Get a copy of that Kindle version of the book. And with that said, we'll talk to you later. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm -hmm.